This episode of Keeping It Real is brought to you by Showami. Showami is the fastest, easiest, and most reliable way to get buyers into homes without you being the one to show it. Now, we've all had situations where clients wanted to see properties at the most inconvenient time or in a location that was difficult for us to show. Now, there's an easy way to find another licensed agent who will show the home on your behalf for a small fee. You keep the client, you keep the commission, you keep your commitments. Now, Showami is truly the Uber for real Realtors, connecting busy realtors with local agents who have time to show your clients the properties they want without taking any part of your commission. And if you'd like to be one of Shoami's featured agents that realtors can hire to have you help with their showings, you can sign up on their website at no cost. So whether you're an agent who wants some help with showings or you're an agent that wants to make some money helping doing showings, Shoami is the app to use. Install Shoami on Apple or Android devices or simply visit their website at showami.com that's s-h-o-w-a-m-i.com s-h-o-w-a-m-i.com to learn more and now on to our episode Hello and welcome to Keeping It Real, the largest podcast made by real estate agents and for real estate agents. My name is DJ Paris. I am your guide and host through the show. And for all of the listeners that I got a chance to say hello to at the NAR conference in San Diego last week, or by the time you're listening to this, probably several weeks ago, uh, I wanted to say thank you. It was a pleasure meeting you and also seeing everybody in person. How exciting. We're starting to go back to in-person stuff. Uh, But as always, we want to start out the beginning of this episode by saying thank you. We have have more listeners now than we've ever had. We continue to grow, and that's because of you guys. Um, Please continue to help us grow by telling a friend. Think of one other real estate professional that could benefit from hearing from top producers like the one we're about to talk to, which is Bo Blankenship, who is a professional football player turned top real estate uh, agent. He's amazing. We had a great conversation. You're in for a real treat. But please tell a friend about our show. Let other agents know that we exist. Send them over to our website, keepingitrealpod.com, or just have them pull up a podcast app, search for Keeping It Real, make sure they find the one with the, with my name on it, DJ, because there's a few other Keeping It Reals out there, and hit that subscribe button. And also, please follow us on Facebook. You can find us at facebook.com forward slash keepingitrealpod. And we're very excited to say in 2022, we are going to be launching a very intensive Instagram account with a lot of cool stuff that we're going to do there and sadly we haven't done that yet. So we're in the process of putting that together for you guys. But as always, thank you. And now on to our episode and interview with Bo Blankenship. Today on the show, we have Bo Blankenship from the Blankenship Group with Angle and Volkers, 30A Beaches in the Emerald Coast slash Gulf Coast in Florida. But let me tell you a little bit about Bo. So Bo Blankenship is a successful business owner, a luxury real estate investor. He's also the lead advisor for the Blankenship Group and licensed partner for our Angle and Volkers, 30A Beaches. And from a young age, Bo had consistently a strong desire for success and possessed the drive to go above and beyond to make his goal 
goals a reality. From the beginning of his journey, he struggled to find a foothold in the ultra-competitive field of real estate and property management. As a result, Bo learned what it took to lead a company. And after years of dedication to sharpening his sales and team-building skills, Bo finally opened up his first brokerage in 2018, which is incredible because he was only 27 years old. And even more incredibly, he has since cleared nearly a billion dollars in personal sales volume since the start of his career. His brokerage, which grew, and I am somebody who recruits agents uh, all day, every day for the last 11 years. So I am, nobody's more impressed with what I'm about to say than me, but he has grown his brokerage from four advisors in 2018 to more than 70 in 2021. Uh, he has cleared more than $608 million year to date. With grit, determination, and a shrewd sense for business and real estate investing, Bo also grew his brokerage sales from $235 million in 2019 to an approaching a billion dollars in sales just this year. Now, Bo was able to do this within a span of three years. Bo continues to lead the market's He's number one in GCI and volume for Engel and Volkers, number one in the 30A market for personal sales, number one year growth in the Engel and Volkers network and Real Trends, the 1000 2020. He's number 36 in the country and number 71 in 2019. Uh, Bo's just done amazing things. Please visit him on his website, which is 30A as an Apple. So 30AFineLiving.com. Again, 30AFineLiving.com. And also please follow his group on Instagram. They have a really cool Instagram account, Blankenship underscore group. And we will put links to those in the show notes for this podcast. Bo, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you so much for having us. And thank you for that great introduction. I really appreciate it. I am always, you know, it's, it's funny that this is like our 300 and I don't know, maybe 10th episode, something like that. And I'm always still so impressed talking to agents, you know, at this point, maybe I'd start getting bored talking to really successful agents, but I'm never bored because I'm always so impressed with people like yourself who have really started at a young age and grown something that gosh, 99.99% of agents just haven't done. Um, and so they want to hear how you did it. I'm sure there isn't any magic formula or maybe there is. Um, but I always like to start at the very beginning of your journey and sort of hear right. about how you got into real estate and, and, you know, how you got to where you are today. So if you don't mind taking us back to the beginning, let us know how you got yeah. started. Definitely. Um, so I, you know, I was growing up and I was always just interested in real estate. We started visiting down here, on vacation. I was always fascinated with the properties and, you know, the building side of it and how people make money and, and the spec side of things. And so it just always intrigued me. And then as I was getting older, just the, um, some of the wealthiest people I knew and, and picking their brains, like, yeah, it's through real estate, real estate. I buy this or this, or this. And so that always just interested me. Um, and I was playing football at the time. And while I was training, I got, um, I passed all the, you know, the courses and all that kind of stuff. And after that career ended, I just pivoted um, into real estate. I didn't know what to do, you know? And so I pivoted to real estate and I started a property management company. Um, and I just kind of, I just kind of jumped both feet in and just kind of got going after one career and just pivoted completely to another one. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I absolutely forgot to mention your football career, which I think 
is interesting in, in for a couple of reasons. One, I think people are always fascinated by people that per, that play at a high level uh, with sports, but also I'm curious to know if the discipline and the hard work and the grit that it was required to, to make it, um, you know, as, as an athlete um, translates over to real estate. So if you don't mind sharing with us your, your football career, I apologize for not mentioning that before. No, no, you're good. No, no. People always, I, I don't mind when people don't bring it up because it's typically what people talk about. So it's completely fine. I don't, you know, it's good not to talk about it, but it's um, so I started high school, went to college, um, I was offered, I had an early scholarship offer at Iowa State, so I committed to them early. They, you know, they were the first ones to really offer me, and so I wanted to go play for that person that took a chance on me. Went there. Uh, my coach left, who was Gene Shizik at the time, right before, like two weeks before I got there, so it was a new coach that oh. came in. Um, so that was, so I played my first year, didn't redshirt, um, so played there, and then my best friend was a quarterback at another school. I didn't gel so much with the new coach, um, so I decided to go play with him at Ohio. Someone played with him at Ohio, played there for you know the additional three years. And then after that, I had a chance to play with the Jaguars. So I was with the Jaguars for, for just a short period of time, got cut and then uh, just transitioned here. But it is a direct correlation of how to win, how to lose, how to, you know, training, you know, what do you have to do to win? What do you have to do to get better? What do you have to do? It's a direct correlation. You know, your schedule. Um, so it's, it's, it, people ask me it all the time, but it, I mean, it parallels completely with sports. Yeah, I imagine, I imagine it does. And I always, when I was in college, I remember thinking about, and when we had a, a, in my fraternity, one of the football players just happened to be in our fraternity and we never saw him because he was yep. constantly, he was doing two a days, I think. And yep. just, constantly, Wake, well, you know, you know, that's five lifting. Yeah. Waking up at five <laughs> lifting nights film. I mean, it's just, and, but that translates to, and you know, when I hire people, employees or whatever, like having that background, it's, it's, I know they know kind of the grind. And so, um, but it, it parallels again, really good with uh, real estate. Yeah, I imagine it. And, and I imagine too, the, one of the cool things about athletics and, and comp competitive athletics is this idea of learning how to lose, I think is so important. And I'm, I'm, I know we're going maybe a little bit off off the real estate uh, sort of topic, but I'm curious on how important it is to learn how to lose because you know there's so much of the business world that's just about losing and then and then yep. just getting right back up and sort of trying again. Um, yep. And I'm curious if if that like you, I imagine athletes probably bounce back a little faster in the business world when they uh, come across a challenge or something doesn't go right. their way because they're just so used to that's just part of the deal. I imagine right. Right. Yeah. So it's obviously we, we never want to lose and you know, <laughs> most people don't ever want to lose and we're so competitive. Right. And so like, I hate it more than anything. Right. And, um, but when you do, you have to, I think athletes, um, know, all right. So that happened. What do I have to change to now pivot and go win it again? Right. Or what do I have to do yeah. to go fix this and to get better at this, to then go win? Right. Cause it hurts so bad to lose. I never want to feel it again. How can I learn from this and move on? So that's, yeah. And that's you end up getting, yeah. And you end up getting stronger and smarter and, and just, a, yeah. it's, it's, um, I've, I, I'd heard this saying, and it, it's sort of one of those, like, it's a bummer that it's true, but, it, but I think it probably is, is one of the truest things I've ever heard is successful people just fail more. <laughs> and, you know, they're just constantly like, Hey, we're going to keep pushing and we're going to learn from our you know challenges. Mm -hmm. And yeah. Mm -hmm. And I'm, cur I'm curious, Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was going to say, just when you lose, the thing is that it just doesn't crater you. 
Because if you if you yeah. lose and it craters you completely and there's just no rebound from it. Like it can't you can't move at all off your path. Like it's just it's what happened and we just got to keep going. Yeah, it's it, people need to not be as afraid of losing. And I, all you have to do is just is just uh, try a lot of different things, and and, and you'll you'll yep. you'll learn about losing. But the cool part sure. is is you just end up getting smarter. And and it's the same thing with weightlifting. I mean, you don't get same stronger day. until you go to you don't have to go to failure, I guess. But going to failure is a very humbling experience with any exercise. Um, no and I I just came from the gym, so I, I've got that in my mind and my training. Yeah pushes me to failure a lot. And it's the hardest part of any exercise I do. It's probably for most people probably would feel that way, but it's like, as much as I hate it, I'm like, no, I, I kind of have to go to a place where I can't do another rep and then let the muscles rebuild. And then maybe I yeah. can do one more rep next time. Um, I mean, it's the, it's the exact same thing as training as weightlifting. I mean, it's the same thing. You know, you want to get stronger. You have to eat well, you have to do this. You have to have yeah. a regimen. You know, it's just like, it's all, it all, it's all the same thing. And this is a business too, where it's tough to have a schedule and because you're probably, you know, most firms aren't probably setting the schedule for their agents um, and, and just being able to go, well, it's, you know, it's six o'clock or whatever time you get up. I know exactly what I'm doing at six o'clock. I know what I, you know, sort of having your day planned is, is something that I think a lot of agents struggle with. I suspect you are very disciplined about your time. Right. Correct. And I think, you know, we own this brokerage and I think the ones that are successful treat it like a nine to five, right? Yeah. The people that come in and, you know, just come in every once in a while, once a week, I'm not saying they can't be successful, but, um, the people that fail mostly don't, don't show up. The people that show up, they rarely fail. Are the yeah, people I've, that do show up rarely fail. I've heard that so many times from, from agents who have been on this show is that, you know, if they have a physical office, you know, space there, they're like, I'm amazed I come in at eight o'clock and I'm the only one here and you know, things like that. So, um, but I would love to talk about how you talked about pivoting and how important that is for, as you grow your business. And of course things change and obviously COVID changed, changed the game yep. for all of us in so many ways. I'm curious on, on how you guys pivoted because you not only, you know, were thrive during that where a lot of agents really didn't, I, I know sort of our listeners might be thinking, because if they listen to this show, they're only hearing about how people had so much successful years, uh, you know, as, as we started figuring out what to do during COVID, but there's a lot of agents that really struggled. And I'm curious um, how you guys not only pivoted, but, but really took your business to the next level. So did, did your processes change when COVID sort of came? Yeah, a little bit. And so when COVID first came, I remember there was one day I think in one day we lost like $30 million in deals, like oh. people just backing out, walking, walking away from their earnest money. And it just happened. Kept happening. Oh. I was like, what is going on here? <laughs> and so uh, I was like, man, I don't know if we're ever going to sell another house. Like, this yeah, this, is that's a tough day. <laughs> this, this is it. I'm out of here. So uh, <laughs> no, it didn't change. We just kind of, you know, kept our faith and just like, just kept going through it and see what's going to happen and kept nurturing our people. And then all of a sudden people were like, Hey, I got to get down there. And I like, we just kind of took off. I know that's not a story for everybody, but it just kind of took off. People wanted to get here. And so we just kind of kept our pulse on the market, kept talking to sellers, kept informing sellers like, hey, this is what's going on. This is where I think the market is. You know, we don't know where it's going. Um, you know, we saw people get a lot of deals too, like low ball deals and get them because they saw an opportunity, a weakness in the market. You know, there's about a three week period where they could, somebody could really get an absolute steal on a property. So we saw some of that, but really what we did was just, it gave us an opportunity to touch base with our sellers and be like, Hey, this is what's going on and just inform. Cause these are mostly second homeowners. 
And so it just yeah. gives us opportunity to reach out and touch them. Buyers wise, you know, just kind of, Hey, this is what's going on. I think this is what's happening. Being in touch with the rental market saying, Hey, the rental numbers are still here. People are still trying to get here. Um, and then just kind of letting that kind of dictate it. And then, um, it really just, we were just trying to ride the, ride the wave when people were coming back. Yeah. And clearly it's, it's been working really well for you. I was just having a conversation with a top producer here in Chicago. Um, she's in the, usually there's about 44,000 agents here and she's always in the top 15 or so, um, which is beyond impressive because it's just one person. And I was asking her about her 2022 goals. Like, Hey, what are you trying to do? And she said, and this I thought was really interesting. She's been in the business about 20 years. Uh, and she said, well, my number, one of my goals for next year is because COVID has of course enabled a lot of people to work remotely. Um, and people are now thinking about, you know, moving and, and I, I know yep. your area is a lot of, like you said, second homes, third homes, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's still just a lot of people that are moving to other places that maybe yep. are more climate friendly or, you know, economical, or there's tax benefits like in Florida yep. to do that. Yep. And, um, she said, what I'm going to do, she goes, I have about five locations. She's here in Chicago at, that my clients tend to either retire to, or maybe they have a vacation home or, and she goes, I'm going to fly to all five of those locations and, and start interviewing agents there and say, Hey, I get, I get a ton of business out your way. Um, and I want to develop those relationships. And I, mm. I'm just curious, um, because I suspect that's, a, and well, we talked about this actually before. Uh, going going on the air that that's a that's a big part of your business is relationships with realtors in our, other parts of the country and I'm just curious yeah. on how you develop those relationships because you're on the end where people are sort of you know interested in in their clients maybe moving there um, mm-hmm. how do you develop those relationships with someone in you know a, a different part of the country yeah definitely it's a big part of our business um, and we're typically you know on the receiving end of it which I feel bad because we typically don't have people that you know like hey I'm moving to you know, Nashville or whatever, it's typically the other way around. So Atlanta, sure. Nashville, Houston, Oklahoma, um, Utah, you know, Birmingham, New York, uh, I'm I mean, guessing New York, yeah. like, and so we're getting a bunch of people, you know, uh, referring. And so really just letting them know. And so that's one thing why I chose to bring Evie here was to be able to have those connections, right? Cause I was with the boutique before and I didn't have that, you know, I'd have to go create those organically, but with Evie, I'm able to, call up Boston and, um, you know, call up wherever, um, and just kind of, uh, make those connections. And then, you know, in within EV, if you, you, you can reach a level called, uh, what is it called? Oh, private office. And it's just like the top producers that then you network with each other, send listings and all this kind of stuff. So it's really the business or the uh, company has really helped me do that. And with gatherings and stuff like that. So keep in touch and, um, but really just nurturing those people, letting people know like, Hey, we're a top producer. Hey, we can do this, this and this, letting people know about our area. Cause it's still kind of, it's now the, 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 the area is getting out, but it's typically, it was unknown for a little bit, you know, but now 30 is kind of getting out there and everyone knows about it, but really just, just putting our info out there that people know that we can, what we can do and how we can serve people and really about the area. And it's just connected with other top producers. Yeah, it's interesting. You, you you sort of you're right. You're on probably the receiving on more than anything for that. However, you have tremendous competition. You know, there are lots of huge successful producers in your area. It's 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 yes. Um, if you were the only realtor there, it'd be it'd be amazing. But you are you are competing with all those other agents, and and you're obviously a very humble person. But it's it, you know it doesn't just naturally come to you, even though you're part of Engel and Volkers, which is such a well respected right. brand. You've earned it, you know. And and I think I think that's 
it's so it, it must be so wonderful to get those referrals. I'm curious too, when you're dealing with high net worth individuals, which I suspect is you know the vast majority. Are you also oftentimes dealing not just with the principal itself, you know, the the home buyer or, or the seller, but maybe even a team of, of their people who you know manage their finances or manage their business? Is yeah. is there a lot of that as well? A lot, a lot of that dealing with assistants and hey, they want to do this. This is what they're looking for. Um, a lot of that, but mainly, you know, when they come in, we show them it's you know, it's out dealing with them, but there are several times where it's, uh, you're just dealing with their assistant and, and, you know, manager, whatever it is. So that does happen quite a bit. And I imagine it's, it's, you're, you're now having to please many different people sometimes in the transaction on your, on the, on your side, where it's not just, you know, the other side and trying to coordinate with them. You now have to really create uh, a really pretty impeccable sort of presentation, uh, for lack of a better word, because, you've got a whole team of people that are, are judging you and making yeah. sure that you know what you're doing. Yeah. And clinging on to every single word you say. So when you give them a price, you better, you know, freaking have it dialed in, you know, like it's, it's, uh, which is, you always should be a, you know, man of your word, but like you just, you have to be pretty there. They hold you to it. So everything. So yeah, but you have to be dialed in completely when you're dealing with those people. I suspect I'm, I'm curious too, that, um, just how you guys sort of sell a property because you are dealing on on a lot of times in the high net worth space. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and I, I'm curious to know, you know, what your sort of take is on, on the strategy for selling some of these properties, which by the way, there are lots of those properties, um, that are always coming and going. And because the investment into those uh, properties are so high, I imagine the presentation has to really be, be special. So I'm very curious on how you, maybe what you do that you feel is a little different than, than maybe what other agents are doing. I would say the advantage we have, and I don't want this to sound arrogant at all. I would just say, we just kind of out hustle everybody. And we've got them probably some of the best connections down here. We've got an amazing database. We're very, very well connected. And so really hustling that person's property. Yes. Someone can go put it on MLS. Like we're able to reach out to our thousands of people in our database, you know, and really get the exposure that I don't, you know, again, don't sound arrogant, but I don't think anyone else down here has. And so being able to reach those people that no one else reaches, it's really been our biggest thing. It's like, Hey, cause I've got a list of clients that I can just call and say, boom, 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 this is coming. And, you know, we may be able to sell a pre-market or whatever. So really having the database and the connections and my team just hustling it. Hey, I've got this coming up. Call everyone you can send it to everyone you can. And then on top of that is our, our marketing, um, you know, our videographer, our video, our photos, and then the exposure we get. So we get, you know, if it's over a million dollars, it's in Wall Street Journal, Mansions Global, New York Times, Architectural Digest, all this kind of stuff. And so we really get, uh, really have a loud megaphone to really get them the reach they need. And so that's part of it. And um, but really, I would say after all of that, the core of it is us just grinding and hustling that property and just getting it done. It's, it's, it's so well said. And I think, you know, it's funny. I, I think that there's a lot of, and I'm not laughing at anyone who has this thought, because I certainly would have this thought too, if I was producing and not really understanding what it takes to compete in that high net worth space. But I would think, gosh, if I could only get a $8 million listing, my, my problems would be over. And I would think, you know, I'd, I'll drop it on the MLS, I'll get the right price. And then I'll just sit back and wait for the, the deals to come in. But 
I suspect that's, that is not, as you just said, you do a lot more because when you, when you have properties of that size, the MLS probably isn't that important. I suspect, um, I mean, right. it certainly helps, uh, but, yeah. but you, what you were saying, the hustling and reaching out to buyers, even though you're the listing agent or reaching out right. to agents who have buyers who play yep. in that space, that's gotta mm-hmm. be the vast majority of the work I'm guessing is saying, Hey, you got to learn about this property. I'm sending it to you versus yes. just waiting for the, the listings to come or for the showings to come in. No, no question. That is the majority of it. Um, but really the, um, what's really, really been beneficial is we have such a pulse on this market and such a uh, handle on the listing inventory that if another agent has a buyer where their first call, like, so we will just field calls from other agents. And so pivot them from all of that. Like, Hey, I got this $10 million buyer. What do you have? And we'll send them everything we got, you know, Again, because we have such a hold on the market, uh, the listing inventory, that, that is such a pivotal role of being able to pivot our age, our other agents that call us because they've got the buyers. And so being able to just kind of have a control on it and just kind of shift whatever we need to shift to, to get in people's hands. I'm curious to note a little bit about sort of timing uh, when it comes to now on the seller side, knowing when to to list. And obviously, if somebody needs you to list right away, that <laughs> then that that can happen. But I suspect with the clientele you're dealing with, there's a little bit more flexibility there to determine when they need to sell and. Again, these are this is usually not the primary residence. It sounds like so. There, there maybe there is just more more time, and so you, I suspect they look at you to really get that timing right. And I'm curious on how your team evaluates. Like now's a good time, or hey, you know, now we're about to head into the de- December, and um, you know, I'm curious on on how you guys sort of treat that. And obviously, if somebody has an urgent need to sell something, that that's pretty obvious. Yeah. But when it's not that urgent, I'm curious on mm-hmm. how, how you guys determine when to actually list it. Right. Um, I guess this kind of ties back into COVID because my mind changed after this. So typically, I would, and I've tracked all my sales since I started. So every month, the transactions, the percentage that of that month of our yearly volume, how much of was in that month. And so I've tracked it completely since I started. And um, typically it was, you know, February, July, and October were our heaviest closing months. So that means, you know, earlier the year, summer and fall break, you know, so that's when our property. So I was strategically list around those times, but since COVID, I, uh, I kind of, that's kind of gone out the window. And so I'm now, I don't know what buyers here at any given time. If we have it, we want to get it up. Right. And so I'm not going to wait because, you know, we sold a, you know, $11 million property and when we should have sold one, you know, is that's not normal. And so now I'm kind of just getting it up because buyers are working remotely or, you know, doing homeschool or whatever it is. And so they're here all the time. So really there's not a time now um, to get alive. It's kind of year round. That's got to be nice. That offers you guys. It does make sense. Um, And it seems like just helps uh, keep the business flowing more, more regularly too. So that's, uh, and, and, you know, one thing that I think most agents, you know, who are working more transactionally and and just sort of client to client um, maybe don't think about as much with because maybe the clientele is mostly just buying a primary residence, but you live in a, in a, in a state in, in Florida and you work in a state where there's a lot of tax benefits for people to retire there. Obviously there's, there's uh, some weather benefits too, but, but I, I'm curious at how important it is for you as an agent to be really up on, on sort of 
tax strategies, not to where you're giving tax advice, of course, but that you just have a, a good enough understanding to say, I know why people buy here. I know, generally speaking, what the ramifications are tax-wise. Yep. Does that, co- yep. that comes up, I assume, quite a bit. That's a big part of our business, right? So we'll have CEOs move in because they're going to you know, buy a $10 million home, but by moving here, they're saving it. That home's free, what they would have paid in taxes. So they're moving right. here and they're homesteading, you know? So so it's a big part of it, understanding that, understanding the property tax rate, understanding all this kind of stuff and not to get political here, but political reasons is a big reason why people move here too. And so sure. knowing all of that and knowing what the school system's doing and all that kind of stuff. So it's a big reason, you know, so just knowing all that, being able to inform our buyers, you know, financially and all that kind of stuff, um, it plays a massive role in it. Yeah, it makes sense. Uh, I mean, Florida is such a such an interesting state for you know polit- politically. It's an interesting state, and there's mm-hmm. really interesting tax implications to move yep. there. And and then of course you know the weather, and 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 then there's also you know negative parts about the weather too that are need to be yep. considered. Um, 100%. But yeah, but it's it's interesting that that you're right. You you probably do ha- you probably do have to be pretty aware of what's going on politically, even just to oh, sort man. of get a sense of like, hey, if someone's moving here, is, is this even a good fit for them uh, based on some of their beliefs and 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 the way they they live their life? Um, yep. And and taxes, Definitely. of course, too. So that yep. that's really interesting. So I imagine you probably have CPAs, you know, that that you're constantly either referring to, and I am I know again you're the clients who are coming in to buy probably have their own team. Um, yep. But I imagine you're probably constantly talking to CPAs locally to say, Hey, you know, let's, let's figure out if this makes sense for, for these buyers. A hundred percent. Yeah. But most of them have their own team, but like we need to know enough to be able to talk to it, talk about it. And um, you know, 1031 tax exchanges, doing reverse sure. exchanges, all of that, because there's so much, they get down here, they buy the first one, they love it. They want to flip to another property. So being able to defer the taxes. And so just knowing, uh, cause they want something bigger or whatever. So knowing all of those things, you know, talking to our CPA, um, but just yet yeah, really staying, staying up to date on all that's a huge part of our business. Yeah. The exchange, the 1031 exchange thing is, is particularly interesting because there's, there's time limits on that. And so the idea of, Hey, I'm going to sell. I want to now move to a different property. Um, have, sort of timing that is. It, you were saying this understanding your inventory is so critical, and having those relationships with other agents because you know you do have some time considerations there, and yep. knowing how to make all that work is incredibly valuable to the client, of course. Yep. And they they probably yep. just expect you to have all that figured out as mm-hmm. anyway. Um, yeah, and, and so for exchanges, we've got a guy that he's been doing all of ours, so we just partner him with. He'll outline it, but there's a lot of times we get a seller to say, I'm not selling until I can, yeah. you know, find the exact property I want. So boom, it has to be a boom, boom deal. Like it's, we have to time it up perfectly. So it gets a little hairy sometimes, but. But I mean, I imagine most agents don't, don't really have that skill set or that knowledge set. And it's, you know, even if you're just doing primary resident stuff, you know, that, that comes into effect as well. And so, yep. you know, 1035s and 1031s and I, you know, I would encourage all of our listeners to really, you know, spend some time with it with a CPA and, and just say, hey, you know, give me some talking points so I can. And it's another great reason to reach out to all your clients and say, hey, I don't know if you're considering, you know, upgrading yeah. or, or maybe getting a second property, but you know, there's a, there's a few sort of tax uh, strategies that that might might help you. Um, and because I know that that as you've personally have have grown your business, you now have 
evolved into doing some of your own development. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm curious on, did those opportunities just, did they open up as you became more successful where you're now either representing developers or you're developing property yourself? Um, were those always there at the beginning for you or have those sort of emerged as you've become you know, larger and more productive? That's kind of how I got going was just um, making people money, right? That's just like that. You make somebody money, right? They're going to be loyal to you, right? If you keep doing it, right? And so I was making these guys, you know, millions of dollars. I was like, I wish I could just, you know, I would just do it. And there's opportunities I passed up. I was like, I know I should buy this. I know I should buy this. And I sold it to my client. He made whatever on it, you know, it's just, and then I just got the, you know, just said, screw it. I'm just doing it. And so as I was doing it, you know, I would partner with my investors or I just start doing it myself or whatever. And just, they were always there. It just took me the, the, to get the, you know, the guts to just do it. And, but they were always there and I always saw them and I, and I knew what they were. I just had to make myself do them. And, you know, I've talked to a lot of investors who are realtors over the years, and I'm curious to get your thoughts on this. And almost exclusively when I ask them, gosh, there's probably a lot of listeners who go, I don't know any investors. And all the people I've interviewed in the past who, who do that say, oh, finding the investors is the easy part. It's finding the deal. That's the hard part. I'm That's curious exactly to get your thoughts right. on that. Yeah. That is exactly right. I've got a list of investors that, you know, you know, anything, anything's a good deal. We can sell in five seconds. Like I've gotten, I've got no problem with that. It's the finding the deal. That's, that is the, that's a hundred percent true and finding the dirt and it's hard to do right now. Yeah. I was going to say, um, with just, you know, that there's just a lot of, a lot of, a lot of money floating around out there that yeah. is, um, you're probably, it's, it's probably, it's, it's become more difficult. I imagine as, as your areas become more popular. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's more difficult, but the price of lumber and building is just going through the roof. But we're seeing more and more people buy real estate as a hedge against inflation because you know it's through the roof, and so we're seeing more and more. But it's the building cost is just that's what we're dealing with that right now. It's just like astronomical. So that's kind of like what our biggest hurdle is right now with it. Yeah, it's curious. I'm curious if if um, I haven't really checked in on lumber prices in a while. That obviously has been a hot button topic for the last two years or so. Yeah. Um, yep. do, do you see any relief in sight there or not yet? Well, it was coming down, but it's it's the uh, you know it's 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 everything. It's the the electrician, the plumbers, the lumber, the appliances are months behind. The furniture is yeah. months behind. The uh, fixtures. The t- I mean, it's just all of the issues with uh, shipping and all that. It's just it's becoming kind of a cluster. So, um, I mean, hopefully we see some relief, but um, it doesn't look awesome right now. But um, so we're trying to get through it because that's a big part of my business is building, and so we're trying to see what's going on. We're trying to adjust with it. So it's we got to get a higher price point, you know, to to justify the building part, and so that's just what we're trying to weigh right now. I've been waiting on a, a new door. It's like, a, I don't know what it's made out of, but it's like some fancy heavy door. And it's yeah. for my girlfriend's, uh, the, our master bedroom uh, closet. Uh-huh. And it, when we bought the place earlier this this year, it was, um, I guess it was warped, which I didn't even know that thankfully our, my inspector saw it. He goes, oh, they'll replace it. And um, I think we're going on eight months now. Um, and I, I did kind of even forget about it. And it's like, oh, yeah. just to get one door. Um, he and, and the guy, I recently reached out a couple, like a week ago going, hey, just FYI, I don't really care. I'm like, whenever the door yeah. comes in, it comes in. But he goes, eh, 
would probably be 2022. <laughs> it's like, wow. That's really something. For one door. Think one door. Else. Yeah. <laughs> Appliances backed. I mean, it's all backed up. So Incredible. we're dealing, dealing with all that. But hopefully we see some relief and we're buying stuff in bulk. And so we're trying to, you know, trying to solve it as best we can. This is really, this is funny. I'll just do a quick thing. This happened just over the weekend. I'm, I'm per installing a, a freezer uh, in, in, in my pantry and I bought it through Samsung and it's like a stand-up freezer thing. And uh, for the last, I bought it like, I don't know, I ordered it, I don't know, a month or two ago. And every two weeks now, and I thought this was so smart and I'm curious, I, I don't think other appliance companies have really caught on with this yet, um, but I get an email from them saying, it's still going to be on time. You're going to get it December 2nd, every two weeks. And I went, boy, that's a smart thing to do with supply brilliant. chain issues. Cause now it really, it's so, so simple. And they're just like, just don't freak out. You're still going to get it December 2nd. If anything changes, we'll let you know. I'm like, I've bought a lot of appliances over the last six months and nobody else did that. So I just thought that was, that was really cool. But, but again, that's something that, that, that it's something that, that, you know, it's like agents don't, you know, it's not really what they do, but they have to be able to tell clients, like, here's what's going on. Here's what you're going to be waiting on for furniture and, and appliances yep. and materials. Yep. Um, be before we, I, I have a question that I'm going to um, pause to do a, a sponsorship uh, read, but I'm curious to know if, as, cause you've gosh, 70 plus agents in, in your office. I'm curious, and as you're coaching, you know, maybe uh, agents who aren't as experienced, um, I'm curious to know what's the number one thing. And, and I know there, again, there isn't any sort of magic formula necessarily, but what's the number one thing you tell them uh, as they're getting started to sort of uh, keep them, you know, engaged and, and productive? Because as you, you were saying, of course, you know, people just you know, they either grind it out or they don't. But um, before we do that, I want to pause for a moment to speak about our sponsor, which is called Follow Up Boss. We love, love, love Follow Up Boss. And it was really cool that they're one of our sponsors because after interviewing over 300 top producers in the country, uh, and when I ask top producers, hey, what CRM do you use? More than any other Follow Up Boss comes up. So we're super honored to have them as our sponsor. But let's face it, following up is the key to taking your business to the next level. Follow-up boss will help you drive more leads in less time with less effort. And don't take my word for it. Robert Slack, who runs the number one team in the United States, uses follow-up boss, and he's built a $1.5 billion business in under six years. Follow-up boss integrates with 250 different systems, so you can keep your current tools, lead sources. Also, they have seven-day-a-week support, so you'll get the help you need when you need it. And get this, follow-up boss is so confident that you're going to love their CRM that for a limited time, they're going to give Keeping It Real podcast listeners a 30-day free trial. And this is twice as much time as they give everyone else. And you don't have to use a credit card. That's how confident they are. You're going to love it. And you're going to offer your credit card to them because you're going to want to keep it past that 30 days, but only if you use this special link. So I want everybody to, uh, to visit followupboss.com forward slash real. That again, that's followupboss.com forward slash real for your free 30-day trial. Follow up like a boss with follow up boss. Um, so yeah, uh, I'm curious, Bo. Um, how you know when you're coaching agents to sort of you know get to that next level, you know what what are you telling them? You know, I so with our company, so I've got a non compete broker that helps run the company, and I've got a team of like six people, and so um, it's really really hard with new agents. And so what I typically what I typically do is if I see some skill set or, or something with them that I, I think they've got, you know, a, a really good shot and they just need to hone it a little bit is I typically partner them with a, um, 
an older agent, right? And to follow them, to learn as much as they can. Um, and it benefits both people. And so that's, that's what we've been doing and it's been, it's proven to work. Yeah. Mentorship. It's, that's also been something that almost every person we've ever interviewed on the show has talked about being important to them is learning from a top producer, shadowing, doing the open houses that, you know, maybe other agents aren't willing to do. Um, yep. and just learning, learning from just top learn, agents, just, just learn how they do it, how they made it, you know, you know, take the good, take the bad and figure it out and then create your own, you know, more whatever you can do off of that. And, uh, but just do it and do it for free and just grind, you know, and whatever you can do just to, to learn from these people is what I, I mean, that's what I would recommend. Yeah. It, it's, it's so important because you'll learn so many efficiencies and just strategies that other agents, especially if, if you can get a top producer to, to find the time to, to, to shadow or having a younger person shadow a top mm -hmm. producer is you'll just learn like, Oh, that's what they're doing. Um, and and I, I know like in the last couple of years, I suspect you guys had to get creative as well to getting your offers noticed because with low interest rate environments, although I suspect with a lot of your clientele, you know, loans aren't, aren't mm -hmm. that big of a deal, but, um, but it's still just, you know, competitive right now with buyers and still competitive um, and having to sort of get creative. I mean, me just asking that question on the show over the last couple of years, get, we probably got 30 different creative solutions for getting your offer noticed that was like, wow, this is really, really helpful, but that's what you yeah. learn when you hang out with a top producer. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's yeah. And that, I mean, that is the, the biggest thing I would say is just hang out with people that have been successful and just figure out what they're doing. I mean, it's not rocket science, right? It's, I mean, yeah, you always have to have people's skills and you have to, you know, be able to, to have the market knowledge and, and, and all that, but like, it's not rocket science, like, um, and just learn from them as much as you stinking can. Yeah. It's, it's the, it's the reason why I, I got a trainer for the gym. I am, um, I'm just somebody who doesn't go to the gym on his own. And so there's that. Um, and I was like, I need some accountability. And I also know yeah. I'm spending a fortune on a personal training. That's certainly going to get me there. But, but maybe more importantly than that for me was, uh, learning the, the, you know, with, with weightlifting or, you know, just understanding what muscles I'm supposed to use and how I'm supposed to do a particular exercise. Cause anyone can find an exercise routine and go right. out and do it on their own. But boy, I would have hurt myself. I, I would have, you know, and I, I think the same, same could be said for, for real estate. It's just like, don't hurt yourself lifting something you don't know how to lift with respect sure. to real estate is find a top producer. And, and even if they're not shadowing you just say, can I grab five minutes of your time? I've got this situation with my client. I don't know what to do. And I think yeah. I want to do this, but what would you do? And right. first of all, the person's going to be flattered that you ask them. I mean, assuming that they're have time to answer yeah. you, but boy, you're going to, you're going to learn a lot to save you a lot of headache. Oh, and I've oh, learned yeah. now the, the personal trainer, the, the best thing for me is just, just learning form. And once I got the form down, it's like, oh man, I would have never figured that out on my own. Mm -hmm. I would have hurt my, I would have thrown out my back. I would have done something. And, right. and, uh, and I, and I still need a trainer every single time, but, right, um, right. but, but that's what you were saying is basically find yourself a real estate trainer, so to speak. hundred percent. And just learn from them. And you know, how are they reaching their audience and stuff they're not doing that you think you can improve on, take it and improve it, you know? And it's just, um, and that's what I would, the biggest thing I would recommend. And, and as far as communication, um, you, you know, I'm curious to once you, you know, finish a transaction with a client and obviously these are large transactions, um, 
How do you stay in touch with those clients over time? Now, obviously you're saying if they ever want to upgrade, you're going to always be showing them those ideas because of course that's kind of the the, the people you work with, but also even for somebody who's, it's a primary residence, they're, they're not going anywhere. This is where they're, they've moved to. How do you stay in touch with them over time? um, You know, after the sale? I mean, it's not super easy. I mean, it's, you know, cause there's a lot of people. And so, you know, we, we send, we touch them every week, no matter what we touch them every week wow. with, a, with a, well, it's just an, e- it's not a call. It's just an email. Like, no, I, but that's, week, that's still yeah, every week we touch them. Um, we're consistent every Friday. They will get an email from us. It's an update on the market or what's your soul, blah, 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 blah. And then Christmas, we'll send out something to them as like a little gift or something. Sure. Um, and then, but then we'll just call, like really just calling, texting, and checking in, you know, like trying to do that when we can. Um, but it's really, really hard. And so at the bare minimum, we try to touch them once a week with an email. But even just doing that, and, and I know you're sort of like, gosh, I, we, 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 I we wish we could do more, but even mm-hmm. sending out a weekly email is 99% of realtors don't do that. Um, you know, even if, if it's a, a newsletter and, and, you know, or anything, anything you're sending out and, and I suspect, you know, most age, most clients aren't reading the email, so to speak, but they're seeing that you're putting in the effort. You're, they're oh, yeah. seeing that you're, you're connecting with them and sending them items of value. Um, yep. but again, 99% of realtors probably don't even do that. Man, it's, and that blows my mind. If you don't have a database, I don't know how you're doing it. I mean, it's just, yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't even know how you're functioning, but like just hitting them, yeah, whether they read it or not, it's in their inbox. Oh, there's Bo again. Oh, there's Bo. There's yeah. Bo every yeah. week, every Friday, you know? So it's like the same top of mind that they do want to sell. They can't know? forget about you if you're in can't their be. inbox yeah. once a week. That's exactly right. Well, Bo, so. you, you have given so many, so many great ideas and strategies. I mean, even just as simple of, and I know for you that you're probably like, well, this isn't so profound, but sending out a, a weekly email or some sort of communication and probably changing it up every so often and sending the text yeah. once in a while and calling once in a while. And, yeah. But sending out that weekly email, if, if, if you get nothing else from this, this, uh, th- this episode, just at least implement that. And by the way, you can pay people to do that. It's not even something that you have yeah. to, you know, craft on your own, but Boy, if you only did that, your clients would have a very hard time forgetting forgetting about you. Uh, and if you did that, that's fifty two touches over next year. And again, maybe you're not going to, you know, win all of your sphere of influence deals uh, or your database deals, but you're going to win a heck of a lot more of them than if you send out no emails or or no messages. So um, I know there's. Our, our audience got a lot more in this conversation than just that, but boy, that is a really specific action step that a billion dollar producer just gave. So please everyone do that. And boy, if you can't do it yourself, you can hire a virtual assistant to do it for probably 10 bucks a week, maybe, or 20 bucks yeah. a week. It's not even an yeah. expensive thing. Um, but yeah. I, I want to, I want to sort of end there, but I do want to mention that for anyone listening, I have two, two opportunities for you. If you are in Bose area, if you're in the, the Gulf, uh, Gulf area slash Emerald area in Florida, and you're looking to work with the number one team there, and you want to work under with, or with somebody like Bo, um, and you're not getting the attention that you need or, or the opportunities that, that you want at your current firm. And you want to check out what Engel and Volkers is all about, um, with Bo, uh, what's the best way they should reach out to you? Man, just text me, text me, email me. You can, you can find my, on the website, you can find all my info, Instagram, message me. Um, someone will get back to you quickly, but 
I mean, um, we're pretty responsive. We try to be. So any, any way that's easiest for you, email, text, whatever. And you can find all of that at their website, which is 30A is an Apple, 30A mm -hmm. uh, Fine Living. So 30AFineLiving.com. But the other opportunity is you're an agent in another part of the country and you have clients that really like to hang out in Florida, whether it's like my parents who now go down there every year and spend the... Um, you know, spend the winter or maybe somebody who wants a vacation home or, or another property or an income producing property right. um, and uh, and is interested in that area, reach out to Bo and his team. They, 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 they know that area. They have the inventory. They know it better than anyone. Um, and you can reach him the same exact way by visiting his website, 30A is an Apple, 30AFineLiving.com. That will also be in the show notes. But Bo, I am so grateful for your time. I know how busy you are. And I know you, so you, you didn't have time to do this, but you found time for <laughs> us. And we are, uh, we're eternally grateful for you. And we are excited to, uh, see your next billion, which I'm sure won't take much time at all. And see, you know, I'm jealous of your, your growth from a few agents to over 70 took me probably two years of 10 hour a day uh, recruiting to get to that number. And so I am really impressed by that. But again, Bo's attracting a lot of agents based on, you know, his leadership. And so definitely if you're, if you're looking in that area to work with a great firm, Angle Evokers uh, with, with Bo is, is an awesome, awesome group, the Blankenship group. So definitely reach out to them. And Bo, thank you so much. And we will, um, on behalf of our audience, we want to thank Bo for his time. On behalf of Bo and myself, we want to thank the audience too for continuing to listen, support our show. We just ask that you do two things before you, you sign off on this episode. Number one is to support our sponsor. Visit followupboss.com forward slash real. Test out their CRM. It's awesome. I know you're going to love it. Check that out. And also, the best way you can really help our show is also by telling a friend. Think of one other real estate professional that should hear this episode with Bo right now and send them a link to our website, which is keepingitrealpod.com. Every episode we've ever done, stream right there. Or if they are a podcast person, just have them pull up a podcast app, search for Keeping It Real, hit that subscribe button. We would appreciate it. Well, Bo, thanks again. And uh, we wish you another billion, which I'm sure is coming soon and can keep up the great work. Thank you so much for having me. I really, really appreciate it. You guys are awesome. And just thank you so much. Thank you.